They say this is a big rich town I just come from the poorest part Bright light city life, I gotta make it This is where it goes down I just happen to come up hard Hey, what is up everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby aka Salim's Therapist and um, <laughs> you are now listening to the Powercast. Today we will be recapping Power Season, sorry, Power Book 2 Ghost Season 3 Episode 6 and the title of the episode is Land of Lies and I am joined by Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. aka the Ghost of Lorenzo. What's up Richard? What's up, Gary? What's up, listeners and viewers? <laughs> what's up, man? Well, what's up with your ghost scaring Monet, man? <laughs> hey, listen, I had to get the final word, you know, because I didn't get to say nothing last week, but uh, I got my final word, so let's see what happens from here on out. <laughs> man, Mo- Monet was about to call the Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> <laughs> she saw that. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, we're also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie, aka NYC Transit. What's up, Dana? I'm doing good. I made my 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 debut finally in the Power series. I was the train. I was a choo choo. I was sitting there on Broadway and Lafayette. I was about to take Tariq to his journey and destination, but then Obi came and just ruined everything for the both of us. You couldn't really see me in action. Instead, they just had me as like a background. But uh, yeah, this was this was fun. I'm excited to talk about my debut more. Oh wow! Wait, so so the subway actually fascinates me because uh, you know in London we got the underground, but you guys got the subway. So like, what was was that actually Broadway? Was that the actual stop that they were at? That was this the stop is Broadway Lafayette. Oh, that's wow. all the way downtown. That's not an area that, that you is by. See, there is Broadway, as in the regular street. It gets complicated a little bit once you get downtown in that area. But that was not the Broadway that you was on. It okay. was on a different Broadway. But, okay. yeah. Interesting. But, yeah, that was a cool scene, though. Um, and we're definitely going to talk a lot more about that today. It, it so, does miss you, by the way. The, the trains miss you. They miss uh, you listening to my directions and thus both getting lost. Oh, yeah. Listen, like, I, I, I miss the subway, too. Like, um, like that that was a, a great experience being in New York and, like, figuring out, like, where to go and which, which uh, subway line I had to be on and stuff. Like, that was an incredible experience. And uh, I, I think I've told this story before, but, like, when I, like, as soon as I flew into uh, New York and, like, um, I was I was getting the train from uh, Howard Beach, I think. I was getting the Howard Beach train into Manhattan. Um, and, like, as it was going through Brooklyn, the, the train driver, like, started playing, like, some bashment music, some, like, Jamaican bashment music on there. And apparently they're not supposed to do that, but they do it at certain stops in Brooklyn. And like, you know, people were people on the train who were locals, they were looking at me and like smiling or something. Like this this isn't this isn't supposed to happen. But as a tourist, I didn't know if this was regular or not. So I was like, Oh, I guess I guess this isn't a regular thing because everyone's looking at me. <laughs> so 
So yeah, um, that was a great experience right there. You know, just being among that that NYC culture of Brooklyn and everything. And you got the Brooklyn hat on, so you know, everything comes full circle, just like in this show. So yeah, <laughs> with that being said. Uh, this was actually a, a pretty entertaining episode. Like we got to see a different um, side of Tariq, I feel like. So it's going to be a fun recap uh, in this episode. But before we get to our takeaways, a friendly reminder to the people, leave your comments, you know, let us know what you think. I see, I've seen some, uh, I've been reading the comments. I see some of you, uh, you know, disagreeing with us and stuff like that. That's cool. We We encourage that. You know, if you don't feel the same way, you can leave your comments. Just know that, you know, in, in these reviews, we we talk about good and bad. You know, we we uh we 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 uh we prop up the good things and then we might critique some things as well. So it's it's balanced. We talk we talk about good and we point out the good things and the bad things that we, you know, like and don't like. So, you know, it's not like we're just like bashing the show all the time. But yeah. I just wanted to say that but yeah i do enjoy reading all of the comments and everything so please do leave your comments hit the like button subscribe to the channel you know all that good stuff check out the coalition entertainment check out the coalition gaming and yeah just check out some of the other content we have you know uh this week is also the snowfall finale like the last ever episode of snowfall so you know, by the time this video is up, that that video will be up too. So after you check this out, you can go check out that review of the final snowfall. Um, you know, if you do watch snowfall, that is. But yeah, uh, please do support the content and everything like like that and all of that good stuff. Uh, with that being said, we're gonna get right into our takeaways. Let me just put my phone on silent because people love uh, blowing up my phone. So yeah. <laughs> So this week, I am going first with the takeaways. And um, yeah, then there will be Dana, then Richard. So I'm going to go ahead and get straight into these takeaways. So as I said, uh, in this episode, I, I felt like we got to see a real different Tariq. Like this is this is the Tariq I've actually been waiting to see, you know. Um, and, you know, I want to make it clear also that I've never had a problem with Michael Rainey Jr. as an actor. Like he 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 does his thing. Like he knows how to play the character. He is one with the character at this point. He's synonymous with that with Tariq, you know. So so props to him. He's always been a good actor. My problem has only been from uh, a writing standpoint sometimes with the character. Um not all the time, but like sometimes I, I have a problem with how they use the character and like lately it's felt like a lot of the supporting cast and supporting characters are kind of outshining the character because they they have more interest in plot developments going on and stuff but in this episode um Tariq stole the show like you know this this was his episode like he was he was on point, you know, this, this is the, this is the ghost. This is the Tariq that we want to see. And we've been waiting to see. Um, so he was, you know, he was active. He was making bold decisions. He was being dominant. He was confronting people. He was, you know, he had a moment with his, his grandma, like a touch, a touching moment and stuff. We saw him talking to Raina, you know, so you had the little throwback moments and stuff. Um, we, we see him look at ghost uh, tombstone. You know, like there's so many 
moments happened with Tariq in this episode. So I love that. Um, and, you know, he was really believable as the character as well. Because, you know, I've been having an issue with the believability of the character. But in this episode, he really owned it. He felt like the new ghost. Like he, it, it felt like he'd finally come full circle into that role of being ghost. Like we saw a lot of different layers to the character. We saw him kind of outsmarting outsmarting the other characters and being calculating and stuff so yeah it was it was awesome it, it at some points it was literally like watching ghost like you know the, the omar uh omari hardwick version it was like watching him like so i really got a sense of that like father-son dynamic like just by seeing him now at like being who his father was but a more you know, superior version, if you will, because of the training he's had and the the intellect that he has from being a student and everything. So, yeah, I loved it. I, I love seeing all of that. And then, of course, you know, we got we got a nice little payoff of him beating up on Brayden. You know, we got a nice little fight scene there of him like rushing Brayden in the uh, by the elevator and stuff. Like, you know, it's always cool to see a little scuffle, a little um, you know physicality and stuff like that and uh you know i think the these two characters they have a lot of respect for each other um so even if they do fall out i think they 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 still have that you know mutual kind of respect for one another and they'll probably find their way back to each other eventually um and then you know you had the whole effie breakup too and um you know he was very cold in how he you know, how he did that, where he drove her out and everything. He he kind of opened up about, um, you know, he was talking about when he killed uh, Ray Ray, you know, who after after Ray Ray took his sister's life and then he killed Ray Ray. And then he was talking about how his life has kind of never been the same after that. And it's, it's kind of spiraled out of control since then. Um, and then, you know, that led to Effie opening up to him as well and talking about how she was abused by, you know, her mother's boyfriend. And then, you know, she was watching Oprah and then she felt like she could open up to her mother about being abused. And then her mother kind of betrayed her by marrying the dude. And then, you know, they're still together. And so, you know, we kind of get a look into the, the colder side of Effie and what makes her that way, like, you know what what kind of changed her as a person so that was cool to see and then that's immediately followed up by Tariq confronting her over the death of Lauren and of course he knows that Lauren is alive now but he doesn't he doesn't mention that you know he doesn't mention that she's alive he just confronts Effie about the fact that you know um her Kane and Braden were kind of all in on it, on this thing and, and they kept it from him. So he feels betrayed by all of them. And then what I thought was very interesting is how Tariq um, kind of acted towards Kane. So like his, his stance was basically, I expected you to be that way. You know, like he didn't confront him. He didn't bring that aggressive energy to Kane. He just like, he was like, I expected you to act, to do that. Um, at, but, you know, at the moment we still need to work together. So like he was still willing to basically coexist with Kane. Um, now that, that I think, I, I don't think it's going to last. 
I don't think that that um, whole dynamic is going to last. I feel like he's kind of, I think he's playing chess now with Kane, uh, in my opinion. I think he's, you know, he's got the information he needs and it's in his back pocket. And I think he's waiting for the right cards to, uh, you know, to make his move. Like, I, I don't think he's just going to let it slide exactly. I feel like he's waiting. He's biding his time and waiting for a time where he can get back at Kane for that. It's it's either that or he just kind of fears Kane a little bit because we know that Kane is, you know, he's he's like the Kanan of this show. Like he's, you know, he's a, an aggressor. He handles, he can handle himself. You know, he's he's a real street dude. He knows what he's doing. So he he is like a a, um, a valid threat to Tariq. Um, so it could just be that he's like, you know, he he respects him and also fears him. And he's kind of like, you know, playing him close a little bit until he can get the upper hand, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was like a real strategic like way how how he handled the Kane situation because he knows that he still has to work with Kane no matter what, even though he, he, uh, he tried to kick Effie and Braden out of the business. He knows that he can't do that with Kane because Kane will take matters into his own hands and stuff. So, you know, that was interesting. And then, you know, we also have, uh, Dana's, uh, transit scene where he tries to escape on the train and then he gets, you know, caught up by Obi. So, so that actually leads into my second takeaway. So Obi, you know, the fact that Obi chose to catch Tariq in that moment, um, it could be a sign of a possible rift happening between Obi and, and Noma. Like maybe there might be a power struggle between those characters coming because if you notice, there was a moment where, um, you know, Tariq was basically like, I'm about, I'm about to do, do a drop right now. Um, and, you know, they searched his bag and saw that he actually did have product in there. So he, he told them, look, I'm about to do a drop right now and you're stopping me from doing it. And he was like, you know, I'm going to tell no more about this or something. Like, maybe I should tell no more what you did. And, and Obi kind of snapped and he was like, you're not going to tell no more anything. So, that right there makes me think that, you know, this could be something that that happens later on where Tariq maybe tries to play the characters against each other. Um, we know that at the end or towards the end of the episode, he does end up uh, meeting up with Brayden by the waterfront. And he's basically like, you know, we all figure out a way to, to get out of this thing with no muscle. We can be free. And he brings up the painting that uh, Effie showed him. But, you know, another way that they can kind of set this up is is by causing some sort of conflict with Obi too. You know, they can, because then that way they can kind of sabotage their operation from the inside by dividing Obi and, and Noma somehow. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to be something that comes into play, because I just found it interesting how, Obi responded in that moment because up to this point we've seen him be um kind of be like submissive to Noma like he kind of obeys her all the time he's always at her side and fulfilling her wishes and her orders and he he's he's her number two 
But at that moment, he kind of showed a little independent streak and was like, you know, I'm doing my own thing here. You don't, don't, don't tell no one nothing kind of thing. So I found that interesting. And um, I feel like they do little things like that for a reason. So I can totally see that coming back into play again um, later on. And then my final uh, takeaway was, you know, uh, of course, we had the, the death of Lorenzo last week, and this episode was all about, you know, putting him to rest. You know, you had the repass scene and everything like that. Some interesting things happened there with, uh, uh, what's, what's the dude's name? I forgot the dude's name. Uh, Makai or something like that. Um, Kai. Kai. Yeah, so Kai was trying to uh, holler at Monet <laughs> and... Uh, and then Drew kind of blew up about that and stuff. So that was funny. Um, is, isn't Kai the dude that you went to school with? Uh, John Nelson. Yep. Yep. Oh, interesting. So so is he always like that? Trying to holler at uh, <laughs> the older ladies? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know nothing. I am, <laughs> I am younger than him. I know nothing. <laughs> what is this culture? <laughs> No, I'm playing, but um, yeah, that was that was that was funny. Uh, that was interesting seeing the repass, and and of course during that, you had the the uh, the little bust up between Salim and Diana, and that was a that was a nice little scene, like a nice little playoff. Um, uh, because that's the Salim dude is kind of like he 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 says too many slick things, so I'm happy she kind of snapped and like kind of stood up for her family in that moment because he he stays talking about like the Tahadas and how they're like messing with her and how they, they chose a life of crime so they get what they deserve and things like that like like you gotta know the time and the place to say these things like okay you can think it and stuff but you're you're literally at the repast and she's literally bawling her eyes out and you choose now to kind of be like oh he you know this is his own fault <laughs> you know like so, I'm glad that she kind of snapped on him and kicked him out um, of of her house and everything like that. Um, and then you had the scene later where Tariq shows up to her her dorm, and then uh, Salim comes with flowers, and 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 the like the other people come out the room and they tell him, "Oh, she's with someone." So that was a uh, that was kind of funny to see, but. Where I actually wanted to go was, of course, you know, after the whole funeral and the shoot up and everything that happens at the, the shootout that happens at the funeral, you get the Lorenzo ghost at the, at the very end, you know. So the ghost of Lorenzo at the table as Monet comes home and, you know, he kind of uh, has his final say, as Rich said, like, because he didn't, he didn't really get to have any final words last week. So he has his final words and like to me it kind of seems like a foreshadowing of the Tahada family being torn apart so that could be where where this is going now because he says something like you know they're gonna find out what really happened um and you know you see this whole episode was basically Drew acting on um impulse and and wrong information and stuff um, and then, you know, causing more harm than good. Um, and then, you know, there was the whole pressure of them 
handling their business and and getting revenge for Lorenzo's death. Like, you know, the streets were talking as soon as Lorenzo was dead, they were saying, you know, so so what's Kane gonna do? What's Drew gonna do? Like, are they gonna clap back at whoever did it or whatever? You know, that pressure is it was on them immediately, you know. And um they might they they probably know that maybe the Russians didn't do it. Like I feel like like Kane knows, Monet knows, like so I feel like even if Drew has convinced himself that it really was the Russians, I feel like they know it wasn't them. So that that pressure is still there to find out what really happened. Um, we know that Kane is kind of smart enough to know what happened. Like, I think he knows Monet had something to do with it, but the rest of the family doesn't know that. Like, Diana doesn't know that. Drew doesn't know that. So if this secret was to come out of what Monet did, I think it would kind of rip the family apart because we're, we're already kind, kind of starting to see it happen a little bit because after that shootout, Kane was like visibly upset with Drew, like for, you know, causing this whole thing to happen, like by clapping back at the Russians and then having them shoot up the funeral. Like he was visibly upset. And then Monet took Drew's side by saying that, you know, he did the right thing. Of course, she's only saying that because it it throws off the fact that she she did it, you know. And then you have the whole element of Gordo, because Gordo knows what he did, but still he he put he put Drew in danger. He put the whole family in danger by going along with Drew's idea, you know. By he he willingly went along with it and even helped him kill the Russian, you know, knowing what he did. Like you know, he could have just. He could have come clean about what he did. And, and I feel like he had a valid reason for doing it because Lorenzo had his father killed. So you've got a valid reason, you know, so you might as well just come clean about that if you really care about Drew. So we know that that's going to cause some drama later on. Um, so, yeah, I think that Lorenzo ghost is just a foreshadowing that by the end of this season, this whole family is going to be torn apart. And I think everybody will pretty much be going their separate ways, like, and probably working with different people. To me, it seems like Kane is playing chess at the moment. Um, and he might actually recruit a few people, um, you know, to, to work with him and be independent from the family. But, you know, everybody else is kind of going to be scattered, maybe doing their own thing. And I wonder where that's going to leave everybody else like Tariq and you know Diana Effie you know well Effie she might end up choosing Kane's side you know based on what we've seen but yeah I'm I'm wondering where it's going to leave everyone once this whole split up and divide happens in this family but um yeah we'll talk about it I I got some questions on that later so we'll, we'll have more of a back and forth but those are my takeaways so far for this episode. Um, yeah, great episode, very entertaining. So, you know, I give them their props on that one. Um, so, uh, let's go to Dana and get her takeaways now. So, Dana, when you're ready. Okay, I am ready. I am excited. Woo! Um, this episode was one of my favorite of the season so far. Uh, it really stood out for its interwebbings of how they were able to weave in all of these stories and just still give you more. Um, so basically, it seemed to me a lot of this 
pulled inspiration from The Sopranos, The Godfather, maybe Tariq Nasheed. He's an actual person on Twitter. That's the whole thing. And then uh, there were wow, some you know elements who Tariq Nasheed of, is? Wow. I, I do know. have Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And um, there, there's this part of a Latin poem that also, I think, might be something that is of help with this whole situation. And even though we got a really weak shootout at a funeral, I think it is actually very important and it plays a part of what is going on probably in the season. And then also the, the Latin version of Ave Maria. So kind of starting this off right here from the beginning, you know, the theme of the show was basically America is the land of lies. I love how the teacher just randomly, she comes in automatically just talking. She never settles down, you know, takes a moment, gets some water. She just literally starts her monologue as she walks into the classroom. Um, yes, but basically, America, you know, it's about America being the land of lies and that, you know, we are made up of conspiracy theories and what we perceive to be as fact. The collective voice is echoing what they want to hear and not necessarily the truth. And we see that when it came to Diana and, and remember what happened with her father, Lorenzo, we see this with Tariq, that we automatically make our own judgments about someone based on what we think we know. And then on top of that, we base our own judgments on the truth that we accept and we refuse to see any other truth out there, especially when it comes to Jenny and with um, what's the boy named Drew. Because they're very gun-ho on this is what I believe, you're all lying to me, and I'm going to act how I feel like I should act, even though that not, may not be the circumstance. And Jenny, she was, she is patient zero when it comes to this. Literally everyone is coming out of the woodwork. It's not Tariq, it's not Tariq. Even Effie, the person who was, uh, not Effie, even Lauren, the person who was attempted murder, she's like, it's not Tariq. She's like, no, it's Tariq. So you see what I mean by, built on lies, you're building a case based on lies by the perception that you want to believe because God forbid if you're wrong. Uh, so that was one of the things that really stood out to me um, from the beginning. Um, I wanted to touch upon a couple of things and that is, um, we, we do know that Tariq has to come into his own and we discussed this earlier, you know, what will this show bring that's different from the original power? And we had that discussion about, you know, the, the theme song, is this appropriate because he's showing that he is not his father. And this one, I felt that it really was a crossroads for him to determine what he wants. Is that more important than what he needs right now? Is he going to accept everyone's truths about him, about him being basically his father's son. He's groomed for this. There's no other life but this. Or is he going to step away and prove to himself and to others that this is not the life that is always meant for him? And we got that. And it's very interesting because the answer is not black and white. In order for him to achieve what he wants, which is freedom and independence, he has to stay in the game 
so that he can live to see freedom of choice right now. We have the whole situation with Noma. She's holding him hostage. Grandma is technically being threatened. And we do know that the downfall of Ghost, how that happened. But just because Ghost met his demise, does that necessarily mean that Tariq will have that same ending? There are many people who were born into a life that didn't meet that same downfall. It's about whether or not you're willing to, to go a different way, or even if you have to follow that same route. How long are you going to do that? And I think that Tariq has that kind of gumption and goal of wanting to leave this. Having that purpose of this is, I need to get my grandma and my sister back. Now it's about, I need to protect them for their safety. And in order to do that, you have to kind of take out Noma. And you have to probably take out Obi as well. And Noma and Obi have a very interesting relationship that I wonder, is it built out of respect for Obi in terms of Obi respecting Noma, or is it built out of fear? And we got a clue of that when Obi held him by, with the gun um, and he, you know, thinking that he was escaping to leave the country. Because he said, oh, no, you will not be telling him that. I wonder if that was out of fear of what Noma would do to him. Or was that just out of respect of in terms of, no, I don't want her to know that I'm screwing up. I'm going to take the fall for this one. But you guys still have to deliver everything. And we create this perfection of unity, even though everything is maybe falling apart. So that to me was a very interesting concept there. Another one that I really wanted to talk about was the interesting relationship that Tariq has with Effie. Now we all know the truth and we all knew what was happening. And what was interesting with this is kind of also going back to truths and not truths is the lack of communication. The, the lack that I feel that what happens when you start hiding from each other and start going behind each other's backs, you create a narrative that is not the truth, but you live so long in that narrative, you have to believe it yourself. For example, we all they all thought Lauren was dead. No, she's dead, she's dead. She's telling, um, both Effie and Brayden are telling uh, Tariq, you know, she's dead, she's dead in hopes that he would believe them. And then also in hopes of they would believe them themselves. You know, no one wants to say, oh, she's actually alive. Look at the mistake that I made. Um, I felt that that is something that, you know, they were, they spent their whole time trying to believe because now it deals with the whole blowback of what if Lauren is alive. Do we have to re-kill her? We have this case that is slowly building on Tariq. How much do we respect Tariq in order to save all of us? So I thought that was interesting. The fight I absolutely loved. This was the Tariq I think we all looked for because we know from the original power, he was annoying. He was just bratty. Um, I'm not gonna say he didn't take responsibility. I think he had a lot of guilt when it came to what happened with his sister. I think he took a lot of responsibility with that. But this, we're seeing the growth of, of a character and it reminded me of a line from Newsies. Yes, the musical Newsies, but it, it was, you little boy, you're a man, little man, you're a king. And we're slowly seeing that transition from being a little boy, having to rely on everyone else 
to him making his own decision and his own choices and having to sit with his own thoughts and figure things out for himself. And even though that split between the group was semi-temporary, because we do know that Braden and DC Canada Braden, you know, we will not be destroyed by this. I don't know what's happening with Effie. God bless that and Kane's situation. But that was also a very interesting. And also, it showed the dynamic between Braden, Kane, and um, 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 Tariq. Remember, he almost tried to kill Braden in that whole building scene, you know, where they're fighting, but he never touched Kane, even though Kane knew what was going on. So I wonder if this is out of fear, if this is out of respect, what is really going on? Because at the end of the day, while Kane did know, he did have his hands clean, but at the end of the day, he kind of pushed everyone along. So that is a very interesting relationship between them. And then on top of that, we have Kane not necessarily plotting and, and, and wanting to turn something evil against someone, but Brayden has been the token white boy this whole show so far. He has been the Ben Affleck to Matt Damon. Um, and what is interesting is that he gave him that, that, that talk was basically saying, you're, you're going to have to man up. You're doing everything for everyone else. Man up, take hold of this. And so I wonder, because he's so close with Tariq, what his truth will be when he has to step up. Is it still the same of whatever Tariq says goes? Because to him and his truth, that's his ride or die. Even though Brayden has been doing most of, of the dying during the riding. So I'm interested to see how that dynamic plays out. Also, we can bring in the fact of Effie and Diana. Um, Effie, it's very interesting what's going on with the Effie character. Um, I know many people look at that uh, situation with the car, and this is what I pull out the Sopranos. Remember the Sopranos, uh, I think it was Drea Mateo, her character, when she got into the car? And they had that long drive. We knew she was dead. I was like, oh, she's dead. Because every time in The Sopranos or any of the Italian gangster movies, Godfather, you go for that drive, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make it home. So I was like, oh, she's dead. He's gonna put her in the water. It's gonna be amazing. Um, but she didn't die because he can't kill her. And I think from a writing perspective, from a viewer's perspective, that makes the story way more interesting. Well, you have to keep this character alive. And you also have to keep them interacting with each other because what happened with the whole thing with Noma and everyone has to meet. So that is a very interesting dynamic. But here's the thing. When they were sitting in the car together and he was spilling his guts out in hopes of gaining her trust to say, hey, I kind of killed Lauren. I'm sorry. I think all he really wanted was an apology and an acceptance. But because she didn't do that, that just infuriated him more. But here's where I think the biggest clue lies in this car. He's spilling the beans about what happened with his sister, about killing the boy, about killing his father. And the one thing that's interesting is if we go to the actress's Twitter account, 
where she said, whatever happens, y'all gonna still ride with me? I'm paraphrasing, but this is what the actress said. When there is a possible Fed case that is being drawn up that also involves you, that is also a RICO case, and you're looking at time, heavy time, because this is Fed, and you're black, and you're poor, in, in, the, in the terminology of you ain't got no money right now, it's not on paper, and you don't have power and privilege, like Brayden. Brayden is, so you need white friends. But the point is, when you are in her situation, I feel that that information he should have never shared with her because she can use that against him. And I thought that was the stupidest thing she could, he, the stupidest thing he could have ever did was right there in that car, still in the beans of he is everybody that I killed. And you know, it wasn't my fault because my mama got my, got a butt beat and we made the decision. Okay, that's nice. But you took full responsibility of what happened and you told her and you made her angry. And the one thing about women, not all, not generalizing, but specifically we're gonna say with this one here, sometimes they can act irrational when they are very angry. Case in point of her trying to burn down the app. So she continues to be cut out. She's seeing that Tariq is now screwing with Diana. That is going to get her even angry. And even though Diana and Effie had that kind of bond and pack, I'm not fighting over a man. I truly believe that. But at the end of the day, her emotions are emoting. And so I don't think that was the smartest move. Also, with that story when she was talking about her being abused, I know that episode. That episode came on during the heat wave. And in New York City, we had lost power. And I was very upset because I never got to see the end of that episode. But it was about a boy who was abused by his mother's boyfriend for years. He worked up the nerve to tell her what was going on. She looked at him, said, you're a liar, you're a devil, you're a demon. And she married the man. And he had to find his own way out of his life and to get out away from her. And he sat there on that Oprah couch and he was crying and he was upset. And I remember that episode because I was a little kid. I was like, oh, shoot, that's impactful. So parents, y'all suck. Also, this kind of reminds me a little bit of, you know, the, the narrative of will you let your past and the family that you're born into determine your present and your future, which I believe Asalaka Lekum Salim was trying to say. But the thing with him is, and this is where we get into the Tariq Nasheed, he comes across as such a high horse, as such a I'm better than you situation that it's easy for him to blame people instead of seeing the overall picture sometimes. The whole system is trying to get rid of us. The government is after us. You know, black people are killing black people situation that I feel that Salim may mean right. He, I don't think he says things out of spite to hurt her. I just think that he, he's, he's come, he's come, he's like a bit of arrogance, a bit of uh, thinking that he knows everything, which also goes with arrogance, ego-driven, and, uh, and, and some 
spices of stupidity. He's unable or unwilling to see Diana as an individual and sees her as a collective, only with her family. And at the end of the day, whether Diana decides to, I'm going to be a drug dealer and turn into jukebox, or I'm going to be the next uh, congresswoman uh, slash Kamala Harris, that's her decision and that's her path to make. You constantly whispering in her ear, you know, you think this is normal? You're going to fall back into this. You ain't nobody. You suck. Like what? And then, then after you get into an argument, you try to gaslight her, you come back with flowers? That's abusive behavior to me. Like, I would have took those flowers and beat you in the head with it. And I'm happy at that moment. I wish he walked in and he would have seen her with Tariq because he deserves that sight. Because he's just grimy and gritty and just rural. And I don't like him. We need to get rid of him. Can he die? He needs to die. I wish he was at the funeral and he was the one who got shot. Because, like, what is the point of him? Aside from him, we all know he's probably somebody's CI. But I don't like him. He's just, ooh. He's the, ooh. I'm not going to say nothing. You know he's going to grow up to marry a white woman. And, again, nothing wrong with white people. Love you, white people. But I'm just simply saying he's one of those people who's like, yeah, my brother, my sister. And then you know he's going to end up with, with, with the snow bunny somewhere and then talk badly about black people. So, whatever. Um, another thing here that I wanted to mention was grandma. <laughs> grandma still got anger in her. And you can still, I don't think those rehab classes are working. I mean, she may be sober, but she is very angry. She needs some type of counseling. And I, this was the one point where I saw grandma as a human. Grandma lost everyone. You know, when you're at that age, all you really have is, is your family. Because, you know, you've seen so much in your life. And I'm imagining that her friends are gone. The people she grew up with are gone. All you have is your family. And they're essentially gone as well. Your son-in-law is dead. Your son is, your, 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 I don't know, what her, but her daughter is gone. Yeah, her granddaughter is gone. And then her grandson, Sarik, He's wayward in terms of she's afraid of him taking that same path as Ghost. And it was really interesting. And I usually want to say, oh, they're foreshadowing too much. Look at the grave. Everybody's talking about the grave and the death. I think that this was not necessarily foreshadowing, hey, the path you lead down to is going to lead to death. Yes, it's true. But I wonder, through death, brings new life to Tariq instead of just going wayfully about what people say and what they do, he is going to fully commit himself to bring himself out of this cycle. And again, that goes back to my point of, you have to do something dirty in order to reap the rewards of freedom at the end. You know, that's the whole, you look at it, for example, probably a bad example, look at someone who is being enslaved. You may have to burn it all down the slave masters, the owners, everyone, which is wrong. I don't, I probably said that wrong. Y'all gonna get rid of me. But in terms of you have to commit something heinous in order to find that freedom within yourself. Probably said that wrong. Please don't don't cancel me. Um, also, on top of that, which goes back to the Lauren situation. Many people are like, again, I hated that shootout with the funeral, but two things from that. To me, it seemed... They knew what was happening. 
I don't know if it was filmed really slow or just kind of bad, but we saw that one car, one car slowly driving. So it was kind of like it's set up. We knew it was going to happen. The guy's coming out with the Uzi thing, where it takes 47. I don't know. I don't know guns. He's coming out all slowly. Everyone runs into the church. And yes, that is your active and that's going to be your response point blank, period. But the way how it was shot, it made it look like they was expecting this. So they running back into the church, you know, we're good, we're safe, y'all just handle it, which is gonna be, you know, the main characters and and no one gets hurt. I felt that that was a setup. And this is what I wonder, if Monet and Drew worked into something, well, yeah, you gotta go after the Russians because they knew that the Russians would be picked up by the feds. Because remember, that's how it ended. They said, oh, the Russians were all caught by the feds. You're fine. So where does that storyline go? There's, there's, unless someone breaks out, and then they're like, I'm going to revenge my, my jail sentence and then come back after them. I don't see that. I think that was just a way to wrap up that storyline. And the fact that everybody ran in so like lackadaisical, it felt like, that they knew it was coming. So it was just all this big setup to get back at the Russians so they can be taken out of the equation. Also, really interesting, it was a lovely black lady who was singing Ave Maria. Uh, people don't know this. If you go to the original 1800, I think it's 1810 or 1812 interpretation of when it was written, Ave Maria basically translates into Lady of the Lake. And in this show, who is the Lady of the Lake? Noah? No? Okay. It was it was Lauren because she was, she was supposedly drowned in the lake. And Lauren is technically the key to bringing down both of these families, the Tejadas and the Tarikas of the situation. So um, her testimony and her who she chooses to believe and the narrative of what is truth or what is fake news is really relies on her. And right now, we don't know what's happening. We do know that she had a conversation with Saks because Saks is the only one that she trusts at this point. And what's interesting is I don't feel that Saks lied to her. He's a liar, but I don't think he lied to her in terms of, yes, he didn't, he didn't kill you, but look at all the dirty things that he has done. So he is still a killer. And if you don't stop him, he can become even more dangerous. Now, again, I don't know if that's going to be his actual fate, but that brings it, that just puts Lauren at a crossroads right now. So that's kind of almost everything that I wanted to say there. So that, again, I really liked this whole episode, and I don't know how they'll get rid of Noma, but she is, she's, I like her. So we don't, we don't have to do that. But then also, really quickly, I wanted to bring in the Godfather. And this, I kind of discussed it with kind of both of y'all trying to figure out which character was which. Um, if you look at Fredo and Sonny, Sonny was, you know, played by James Caan. Um, he had a temper and he was really quick to respond and you really couldn't tell him anything. And if you look at that, that right now is Drew, which originally to me, when we first started watching Ghost uh, Book 2 series, that was Kane. But it seemed like they they switched places because Fredo, if you look at it, also I think 
Fredo, he didn't follow the rules. You know, they told him what to do and he refused to follow the rules and he kind of lacked discipline. Um, and they knew that, that Fredo couldn't handle it. He couldn't handle the full job of the weight of what was going on with the family. So, and he still thought he could do things his own. And that's kind of where both of the brothers were at. And I see that there's a gonna be a fight, it sounds like between Fredo and Sonny, which was, you know, both, they're both wrong in that sense. Um, and they seem to switch places a lot and they take on their same characteristics. But it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Um, Michael easily was Zeke, but what Zeke is dead, I wonder who now takes in the Michael role. It might just end up being Diana, because as much as she wants to get out of the game, I don't think she's going to have that happy ending, at least not for now. So she might have to end up taking control of things. And then especially with the once she finds out what Monet did, um, that's going to shift the dynamics in the family even more so. So Again, I thought it was a very interesting episode. I loved it all, and yay. Excellent, excellent takeaways um, and some interesting uh, parallels and analogies there that you made, like especially with like the Godfather and everything like that. So, um, yeah. And uh, wait, wait. So, um, are you saying that Brother Celine? is gonna end up with Brayden's sister next. <laughs> I'm saying like you know he's gonna end up marrying one of one of Brayden's sisters. He's just at that point. Because he's coming off a little bit too. And you remember the show Dear White People? Where she was like my sisters, my brothers, and then come to find out she was with a white man the whole time. Yeah. It's giving that. They, they. I guess they sort of hinted that Diana could be friends with uh, Braden's sister. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Gary. <laughs> to get to get her jealous, he's he tries to, to mess around with uh, Braden's sister. Yeah, that that would it's be hilarious. That. <laughs> well, he's like you know, like you've been hurt too many times by a black woman, and so he's just like, yeah, I can't stand them. And then he starts talking real bad about them. That's what I kind of feel like. This is where we're heading with Celine. So he's he's gonna turn into Uncle Ruckus next time from uh from the Boondocks. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I don't know. I mean, I don't no, but the thing with Uncle Ruckus, he put out his hatred for black people. Remember, he teamed up with like the clan member to do that whole album. So I don't see him in that sense. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just theorizing. Please don't attack me for that. <laughs> Uh, no, it's, it's a interesting theory. It would be very, it would be hilarious if that actually happens. But but yeah, um, so yeah, great takeaways. And there are some things that we are going to discuss in more detail uh, about what you said. But before we do that, let's go ahead and hear uh, Richard's takeaways. So Richard, when you're ready. Okay, first and foremost, outstanding takeaways by both Dana and Gary. Uh, I don't know if I can top those. Th those were just excellent. Uh, and, and the theories that Dana has on point. So uh, props for all of that. Um, I do have three takeaways I'm going to get into here today. Let me start by saying first and foremost, though, 
this was an excellent episode of Power. I know a lot of people think, uh, you know, when I do make a critique that I'm saying the whole episode is horrible. No, this was an outstanding episode. Let's give Michael Rainey Jr. his flowers right now because he did a fantastic job. And I'm going to quote the same thing that Dana and Gary said. I want to see this version of Tariq every single week. It kind of feels like because this is because this show is a spinoff show, it doesn't feel as though they focus too much on Tariq. But this was an episode where the focus was on Tariq. And I think we need that as fans, you know, because you want to see what happens to the character. Obviously, you want to also see what happens to the other characters. But I feel like he should be the focal character of all of this. And this was an episode where it felt like for me the first time he was the main focus. So I love that. All right. So. I'll get more. I'll get. I'll get. I'll say a little bit more about Tariq later. But let me start the takeaways. First takeaway, we need to talk about what happened with Jenny Davis and Sax in this episode. Uh, so we do see that uh, Sax he does uh, approach Tate about getting help in regarding the Theo Rollins case. Now we do find out prior to that that Davis gets some bad news that Theo probably is not going to make it. So he needs to get him out of there immediately. I'm going to go ahead and make a comment now. I obviously, we know Redman is not on the show. My personal opinion, I think that uh, Redman knew that this character was going to die. And this is why he decided he didn't want to come back because it looks to me like Theo Rollins is not going to make it. No, we'll obviously see because we still have a couple episodes to go until the season is over, but the things are not looking good for his brother getting out. And I don't think he's going to get out in time, or he may get out and may die immediately after that. So but we'll see what happens. But pretty much, uh, Sachs does approach Tate to, to, to get some help. And of course, Tate agrees to help get him out sooner. But of course, everything comes with a cost when you do business with Tate. And Tate says, well, I need, I need uh, Davis to help me do an opposition campaign against my opponent. So what I love is the fact that even though we're not going to get the Tate spinoff, everything that's happening to his character, they've actually put into this show. So I'm oh, totally okay with that because uh, I want to see what happens, obviously. But uh, stay tuned for that. We're going to see where things go with that. Uh, we also see that, as I predicted last week, because of the whole relationship between Jenny and Sachs right now, I said on this show last week that if Sachs was withholding information, Jenny would bring up the fact that she can use that against him and involve him in this Rico case. I also like the fact that she mentioned, well, I'll also mention that you brought a gun to truth the night that James St. Patrick got killed. So again, I like how they're tying this back to the original show once again. So again, her, her, her whole thing is she does this, though, because Lauren says she will come back, but she wants to talk to Sachs first. And as Gary already mentioned, uh, when Sachs, Sachs, well, as Dana mentioned also, Sachs does talk to Lauren in this episode. He does tell her that Tariq didn't kill her, but Tariq is a monster, and he's been groomed by everybody, including Tommy, James, and Tasha. So basically, and of course, he got his sister killed. So all of this stuff is cause for concern as to why she should be worried about what's happening with him. Now, two other quick things to mention about this particular takeaway. Uh, we also do find in this episode that Diana is caught on camera, you know, using the, you know, on, on the rooftop, using the locker. And that was something that they alluded to in a previous episode when Lauren said 
that she saw Diana up there before. So now they have footage of her being up there. They have photos of her, but they can't obviously use that information yet because they want to see how things progress from there. So stay tuned for that. And then finally, we do see at the end of this episode, Tariq gets a text from Lauren saying that she wants to talk to him. So my assumption is that the next episode, we're going to find out what that conversation is about. But I feel the conversation basically is all the stuff that Sachs told her, she's probably going to ask Tariq about this stuff because he never told her some of this stuff. So let's see what happens. But obviously, as I said last week, I think Tariq is going to have to make a decision at some point whether or not to deal with Lauren. And as both Gary and Dana already said earlier on this show about the fact that you felt when Tariq had his conversation with Kane, that that also could have been some something of fear coming out. Obviously, I'm going to tell you right now, as soon as everybody finds out that Lauren is alive, now Tariq, I think, is going to have to make a, uh, is going to have to do some type of, make, make a decision as to how to deal with this situation. Because Kane, obviously, is going to be angry. Effie and Braden will be worried as well. So I kind of feel like the Lauren character could still get taken out by the end of this season. I mean, I just want to see what happens, but eventually they are going to find out that she is alive. Because again, when Tariq came to them out of anger, it's because number one, he heard that she died. And number two, that he's now a part of an investigation that they're all connected. To, they're all a part of now. So that's what he basically said to make them concerned. And you saw when he told that to Kane, Kane said, hey, you're going to deal with that with your, with your friends. I got nothing to do with that because my hands are clean. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they deal with that entire situation. So stay tuned. The second takeaway from this episode, basically about the Tejada family. Now, I, I just want to say, I like how when they started this episode, they show what all the kids were doing when they got the news about Lorenzo. You know, you saw Diana spending some time with Salim. Uh, you saw that Kane was playing cards and you saw that Drew was was pretty much drawing. Now, one thing I will say about Drew, and, and I made a comment about this earlier before we started recording, you know, obviously Drew has no proof whatsoever that the Russians were involved. And he acted on impulse in this episode to kill the guy and basically start start this whole thing here. But my my issue is that Obviously, there was no evidence that the Russians were involved. And, and as I made the comment on the last week's episode, I said, well, if, if, if it is discovered that Lorenzo's body was found out in front of that mural, people could have made a connection. But what I discovered is that the writers avoided all of that together and said, no, we're just going to say he got killed. We're not going to mention any of that other stuff because that's not important. The, the fact is he got killed. So we can't really say anything about them connecting this in any way, shape or form. But Drew somehow figures, oh, the Russians, they had to be involved in this. They had to be. So he, of course, he's acting on impulse. And I want to I want to also say I want to give a master manipulator award to Monet because she already knows that she was the one that took out Lorenzo. But you saw in the beginning of this episode when she saw Drew getting angry, she said, you know, Drew, I'm actually thinking about putting you in charge of the business. Right. But uh, but don't but don't say anything yet. I, I will I will, I will let you know when, when you can talk about this. But Drew is excited because prior to this episode, anytime there was an idea, Drew had an idea. He gave it to Lorenzo and Kane. He didn't get credit for any, in any of that stuff. So I understand what she's doing, playing on that, because she also then says that she is the one that's in control of the business, but she's going to make the decision to put him in charge. Okay, but then as you see later in this episode, 
when all this stuff happens with the bad shootout, right? And I, I'll, I'll say something about that in a second. When all that stuff happens with the shootout, though, you do see after that, that Drew, you know, he obviously gets into it with Kane. Kane says, why did they attack us? And then Drew says, hey, well, don't worry. I'm, I'm in charge now. He alludes to the fact that Monet told him earlier that she's in charge. And again, she does say that, well, yeah, I think your brother made a, a good decision. So, yes, it does create a rift between the brothers, the internal struggle. And again, this has been something that's been building for quite some time. So I'm very curious to see how they handle that. But let me just say this real quickly about the shooting that took place. I agree with what Dana said. That was a horrible, a horrible shooting. You know, I, I kind of feel like it's so funny that we see Jenny and Blanca sitting inside, you know, when they're having the funeral procession. Then when, when then all of a sudden when 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 everybody comes out to bring up bring the casket out, they're nowhere to be found. Obviously, we did see uh we did see uh, Sachs and Davis run back into the funeral because I saw that scene a couple of times. So that's fine. But um, this is this this was an explanation to us to say why the feds were able to catch the Russians so quickly because some of them were already at that funeral. So I get that, right? But I don't like the fact that they wrapped that storyline up so quickly, this, how they dealt with the Russians, because obviously we know the focal point is really on Gordo and Drew. And eventually getting to the revelation of them having to deal with the fact that Gordo killed his father. I understand that's the main point that they're trying to get to, but it felt like all this stuff with the Russians in this episode that was thrown in there basically to keep the characters busy until they get to that conflict between those two people. So uh, I don't like how they dealt with this so quickly. I hope as Dana says, somebody does get free and then they decide to retaliate because I feel like it feel like yes, Gordo put everybody at risk. Gordo Andrew put a lot of people at risk, but it's it was funny because as Gary said before we started recording, Gordo, Drew, and everybody they are master marksmen in terms of how they killed some of the guys that were shooting at them, but yet nobody else got got shot or or injured or hurt in, in anything on the other side. I thought that was very interesting, but uh, it is what it is, right? This 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 this, this, this is power. But really, that's the only critique I had about that. I was fine with everything that else that happened in, in the episode with the family. Um, and, you know, of course, at the end, we do see Lorenzo's ghost coming in, stepping in to do what he does, which I thought was interesting. Um, one last point I do want to make before I go to the final takeaway is uh, we did see, as Dana mentioned, Kane basically giving Braden advice on how to deal with Tariq, the fact that he has to man up. But also interesting is that Monet does give Kane Lorenzo's life insurance policy. And she tells him that I need you to be in charge of figuring out how to how to deal with this situation. So he goes to Braden and basically tells Braden, hey, I need I need your help with this. You can maybe put this in, you know, have Weston Holdings take it, take take care of this investment. And Braden decides to pull Kiki into this and get her assistance on this as well. So I want to see where they're going with this. Obviously, last week, Kiki did see those crash coin texts that Braden was getting on his other phone. So I kind of feel like she's going to start to learn more about the dirty side of the business. She already said that she knows about how corrupt things can be behind the scenes. But I think she's going to really start to learn more about Braden and more about what's happening now that she's involved. And she did say, I will do this for you, Braden, but I want a cut of this money as well. I kind of feel like that's going to be a problem 
Uh, you know, but uh, we'll see what happens. Stay tuned. And finally, the final takeaway of this episode, as I already alluded to, we need to give Michael Rainey Jr. all the flowers because he did a fantastic job in this episode. I love the fact that the character is just so savage. You mentioned Gary earlier when he had the conversation with Effie in the car. And Effie is basically saying, yeah, I wasn't molested as a kid. You know, I um, and, and pretty much, you know, and, and, and my mom still married the the, the guy. And Brayden's and, and Tariq is there like, OK, yeah, I'm sorry that happened to you. But what else do you have to tell me? That was just so savage. That response. That's why I say that was a savage response. And it reminds me of ghosts because this is how James St. Patrick would react in these situations. If he feels like he can't trust anybody, he's going to be very petty in terms of how he gets his revenge. But it's justified, his anger is justified 100%. Because if you were in a similar situation, you're going to react a certain type of way also if you feel that people turn their back on you. So I, I love how he portrayed, they portrayed him in this episode. Of course, he did try to escape at the end and tried to go away with his, with his grandmother. So I like how they were able to show how he had was dealing with this internal struggle as well, because he did want to get back to Yaz, Tasha, and his grandmother, but obviously he can't do that yet. And it kind of makes me wonder if he ever will get to that point where he is able to go back. I mean, that is the question that I guess depends on how long this show lasts, if we ever get an ending to that particular part of the storyline. But I love everything that they did with Tariq in this episode. The way he beat down Braden, you know I love that scene. I watched that scene multiple times because that was a very entertaining beatdown. Yes. The way he was angry, cussing, yelling at, at, at Effie. And then, of course, the pettiness of messing around with Diana now. And, and again, you know, Effie just happens to show up the next day. She sees that. So, yeah, I do agree with what Dana said. Effie is uh, very angry. She's going to retaliate. Obviously, she's going to work with Kane, so she's going to be smart about it. But I kind of feel like that's a bad situation. It's about to get worse. So stay tuned. Um, and uh, was there anything else that I wanted to mention? No, I, I think I think I covered everything because y'all covered the other points. But yeah, I just think it was a fantastic episode. I love Tariq in this episode. I, I hope we see more of this Tariq from here on out. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where things go from here. Look, go ahead. Um. I have a question regarding that dead scene in the car with Effie. Do you yeah. think she was telling the truth or was she trying to use that as a distraction? You know what? I, I You see, I didn't know the story about that Oprah show until you mentioned it. So I actually think she could have been making that up now. I mean, I don't know. I but I know I can't say it, though, because there's no evidence that I can prove to say. But she could have been making that up because she wanted to avoid telling Tariq what really happened with Lauren. That's possible. Yeah. What about, what about you, Gary? Yeah. What about you, Gary? You think that that was made up or you think she was telling the truth? <laughs> what, the story about her mother and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I yeah, I believe it could be made up because she, she seems like she has um, psychopathic tendencies to me. So I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, and, if she would like make up a story. Go, go ahead, Dana. Yeah. No, I just wanted to say because remember the it to me it seems like I was wondering if they're trying to mirror Jenny in terms of remember the big question that was asked to Jenny that she never answered was did she fabricate the accident with Mr. Case? What because we don't know 
how what really happened. Um, we we do know that you know there was the plan to kill Effie. I thought originally it was by shooting, but we don't know the full scale of the accident. We're being told what happened as opposed to being shown what happened fully. I mean, we got glimpses of you know Effie in the car and you know pushing in the water, but between what happened in that water and when the dog walker came. We don't know what happened. And the fact that Jenny never answered the question, did you fabricate the story? We still don't know. Maybe Jenny saw um, what Effie was doing. Maybe she was like, you know, waited for her to go. And then she was the one who rescued her. We don't know if it was a dog walker who randomly came. Um, So that whole thing of, I just wonder what really happened with that accident. We, we do have her testimony, which you know I would assume is factual, at least 99% factual, unless Jenny was feeding that to her, and we definitely cut a lot of stuff out to make it seem that that is her truth. But so I just really wonder, especially what it's called Land of Lies. The show and the character right now are built on lies. This case, you could say, is built on lies. So I, I don't know who's telling the truth at this point. And Jenny never answered the question. Usually you would say, no, she didn't even do that. But yeah. That's true. That's true. I just going to make w- w- one quick comment, and then I'm going to go back to you, Gary. Um, I also find it, because I know, Gary, you made the comment that Effie is a bit of a psychopath. I also find it interesting how she had a gun ready to pull out on Tariq when they actually got to the lake. And Tariq made the comment, oh, you're going to try to kill me? No, I, I would, I, 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 I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to you because we're a part of we're part of an investigation now. But it looks as though she was ready to defend herself if she had to against Tariq. So I thought that was very interesting because I know we made the comment, Dana made the comment before, maybe she's pulled out a photo. No, it was a gun. So uh, that's very interesting, though, that she had that. No, right I thought it was a beeper. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, I'm yeah. realizing it makes no sense because I'm like, no, not beeper, cell phone. That was yeah, cell phone. phone. That's it. But she was quick to pull out the gun on Sharif, but not Effie. What? It's a, I'm, I'm on the lawn, I mean. Yeah, yeah. She reached yeah. for it, but why didn't she reach for it when it came to Lauren? Make right. it make sense. <laughs> because then that further proves that how much she didn't. Because if you think that your life is, a, is in danger, you pull out the gun, right? She genuinely believed that Tariq was going to kill him. But at that same time, when it came to the um, Effie Lawrence situation, she didn't shoot her. She didn't have the, 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 the guts to do it. Was it because she felt that in her heart, Lauren really wasn't going to do anything? She was really just an innocent? She wasn't going to go and try to retaliate by killing her? So I just, I just wonder what that whole situation Good question. Oh yeah, good questions, indeed, and um, excellent takeaways also from Richard. Um, I do agree that Monet is a master manipulator, uh, like you mentioned, and um, is she... I, the point you said about the oh, go ahead. No, I was just wondering, like, is she? 
acne is just so bad who are you manipulating oh we, we can get to that we can talk about that in a little bit <laughs> but also i was gonna say um i'm glad you brought up the cane uh life insurance thing that you brought to brayden because that was a significant point as well that i think is gonna uh it's gonna come into play later on so excellent takeaways there um as always and uh, we are going to move on to our uh, questions and discussion segment now. So, um, you know, if you're listening to the show, please do uh, drop your comments. Let us know what you think of our takeaways so far. And then, you know, uh, you can also um, leave your thoughts and theories about some of these questions that we're about to get into as well. So make sure you do that. Um, so, yeah, questions. So. Uh, we kind of, well, you guys were kind of talking about this a little bit, but let's have a, uh, we can have a broader kind of conversation on this. Um, so the thing is with this episode is obviously we got Tariq going on kind of an independent streak, you know, cutting out Effie and Braden and everything. We saw him kind of um, be on his, go on his own path, his own journey in this episode. And he was a lot like his father. but. Um, but that brings about a question of, you know, is he going to be able to to function now? Because, like, you know, obviously with Obi, when when the thing with Obi happened, um, you know, he was basically telling him, look, I need all of you to show up at the meetings, at the drops, you know, at the, um, the drop-off and everything. Like, all of you have to be there. So Effie has to be there. Brayden has to be there. Um, we kind of saw... We kind of saw Tariq and Brayden kind of agree to work together still. You know, uh, they kind of made up a little bit. But he is still at odds with Effie. And of course, you know, there was the scene where Effie actually went to Diana um, to kind of see if she could work with her and stuff. But Tariq was actually there, you know, and, and Effie was saying, oh, don't, don't tell Tariq. And then she opens the door and Tariq's sitting right there and he's like, hey, Effie, you know, so <laughs> it's getting real petty between them at the moment. So the question is, can you see Tariq and Effie being friends and working together again? Like, could you really see this happening? Like, I mean, we know that they're going to have to coexist somewhat because they're, they're all going to have to show up at the drop off with Obi. But um do you ever see them being able to kind of, you know, maybe they won't be together as a couple anymore, but do you think that, you know, from here, do, will we ever see them being be able to be on at least like cordial terms um, and working together, you know, together again? Because there could be the whole Noma thing that they do. They could try to execute that plan that Effie brought into play. So there might actually be uh, a reason for them to team up again. But do you see it happening? Do you think that it would go well? Um, you know, what do you think based on seeing this episode? So um, uh, this time I'm going to go to you first, Richard. So what do you think? That's a very good question, Gary. Um, well, first and foremost, uh, the way that they've the way this episode ended where Kane pretty much approaches Effie I kind of feel like you know in the next couple episodes it's going to become very apparent to Tariq 
that now Kane and Effie are working together. And because Kane was there at the drop when Tariq showed up, I mean, they all still have to work together in any capacity anyway. At least they ha it has to appear as though they are working together. But outside of work, it's a completely different situation. Um, the one comment I did want to make, though, uh, is that we do know when they released a trailer not too long ago, this was not the season trailer. I think this was a trailer that was least released after the second or third episode. In that trailer, Tariq is talking to somebody. He says, I love you, but I'll put a bullet in you. I think he was talking to Brayden. And him and Brayden are still going to have issues because, again, the internship, but more so, forget about the internship. Now that Kiki has seen the text messages on Brayden's phone, the fact that he now has her involved in doing Lorenzo's life policy stuff, I think all of this is going to be, means she's going to find out about what's happening with this other business. And that will be an issue. Now, I believe Dana said last week that maybe Brayden can do some type of deal where he cuts her in. And what if he was to do that behind Tariq's back? I can see Tariq getting very angry about that. But what I'm saying is that Tariq and Brayden, they may have made up temporarily, but there's still issues once he finds out the other lies that uh, Brayden is keeping from him. So uh, let's stay tuned for that. But to answer your question, Gary, they have to work together in some capacity. I kind of find it interesting how, he, how, how Tariq told Brayden in this episode, yeah, Effie told me about you know, the fact that Noma has a daughter. We may have to eventually consider that. And it's very funny because our conversation on this show last week, I believe you asked the question, Gary, will one of them act independently with, with that plan that Effie presented? And it looks to me like Tariq may try to do that. But I, but again, he needs Effie for that plan also. So I, I'm very curious to see because now that the characters don't like each other and don't want to be associated with each other, that means they can now do their own things independently outside of making it look as though they're working together for Noma. But we have to wait and see what happens. I kind of feel like all the stuff that happened between Effie and uh, Tariq in this episode, it complicates things even further as far as them working together professionally. So um, let's see what happens. But stay tuned. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's going to be quite tense. I think um, I think even if they agree to work together, I think there, there might be some backstabbing involved. Like, you know, one of them is going to try and get over on the other somehow, I think. Um, um, and I, I think it's more so going to be Effie. I think she's going to, like, I think she's going to be spiteful about things. Um, so, yeah. That's my take. But Dana, what would you think about uh, Tariq and Effie? Are they going to be able to coexist? Do you ever see them maybe being friends again? What do you think? Um, if they want to live, I think you have to put the greater good aside. You know, your, your ego aside of the greater good. Uh, the whole point is living. Um, this is a very interesting situation. This is basically uh, Foxy Brown versus Lil' Kim, Lil' Kim versus Chase Evans. Got a little CM Punk versus AEW in there. Um, if you want to make money, literally, and you want to live, I think they have to work together. We do know that there are side project projects that are going on. We have the whole Effie and Kane. Remember, you said I'll slip you some products and you can do your little side thing for your little cute number. So we know that that's going on. We know that everyone, you know, what's going on with 
Braden and what is it? Braden and Kane involving Kiki. That's a whole situation that they have to pay off with Kiki now. And Kiki knows what's really going on. Um, and she saw the whole app situation with the coin thing. I think that will come back down later in the road. And by bringing in Kiki, I wonder if this means that someone else is replaceable. So Diana, for example, doesn't have to be a part of this. Kiki can now be a part of this. So I just wonder how that's going to play. But there are a multitude of people who have who had to work with each other and get along for the greater good. You you work together and then you do, you know, goodbye and I don't have to see you until the next time. You don't let that kind of override the, the purpose of everyone wanting to get out and everyone wanting their own chance at uh, independence, whatever that may look like, whether it's I'm in the game, but it's my own game. So that is what I think that they need to do because it's, Petty back and forth is is cute when you're a kid, but when you have literal life and death stakes, it's it's not going to get you anywhere. So they're going to have to learn how to work together. And you know you can fight with each other, but when it's time for business, you you do your business, and then you go home. Yeah, interesting. I I like what you uh said about Kiki there, like, um, and I have a follow-up question about that. Like, do you think that Brayden is going to potentially, like, ruin Kiki, like, and turn her from, like, a star employee into, like, bad gal things, like, turn her into a proper... Bad gal things. No, here's, here's <laughs> the, the bad gal things. No, here's the thing. You can't ruin someone who isn't willing to step in to get ruined. Kiki knows what she's doing. That whole, you know, pay me. That right there is a smart move. You pay me for my action. I'm taking all of the risk. I'm accepting the risk. I want reward for it. So there is a sense of greed within someone because she can easily say no and go to Lucas and say this is what's going on. But she didn't. So there's a part of her that's interested. We don't know what's going on with the phone, but it's like, you know, she kept looking at the phone. If I have no interest in what you're doing and your phone keeps going off and you dropped your phone, hey, Gary, you dropped your phone. Here you go. And that's it. But in my curiosity, oh, what's, what's going on? First of all, where's your password lock? That would just be common sense. If you're like dealing in something illegal, when you password lock your phone, that's just me. Another thing, so we, we got that. I feel that there is a sense of curiosity and there may be something more. And we don't know what's really going on with Kiki that she's longing for. And in order to long for that, you have to accept the risk. So she is not like, oh, I'm an innocent victim in this. She went in, pay me. I know my worth. I know the risk. Pay me. So, yeah, no, she, she, she knows what she's doing. She's not. Yeah, that that's true. Cause she she didn't even though she didn't ask any questions about what he's doing, like which would kind of implicate her if she knows. But like just the fact that she's going along with it, it, it kind of shows that she might be breaking bad a little bit. Like, you know, this might be her path to to Walter White levels of you know criminal. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I, I like your theory about she might end up replacing, you know, somebody else. 
um, in operation. If, if uh, I don't know what's going to happen by the end of the season, if the whole team splits up or is split into two teams or whatever, like I definitely could see Kiki being an important part of you know the operation in the future. So it's interesting. Um, Rich, any follow up to that at all? Uh, I just want to make a comment and say I think there's definitely a lot more secrets that we need to learn about Kiki. I mean, obviously, now that you have her involved in helping Braden to an extent, you have to ask yourself, you know, obviously, I believe you both made the comment uh, last week that, you know, Braden defended her when it was that guy that was harassing her that got fired. So you kind of feel like they'll have each other's back. But uh, I kind of feel like, you know, Braden is probably not going to tell Tariq about what he's been doing with her. And that may be an issue because, again, they need to be on the same page because now they're all a part of this investigation. So well, what, I, what I do think is that Kiki will definitely do what she needs to do to make sure that she's not getting caught in, in any trouble. But I also feel like there is something more to that character that they need. That I feel like there's a, some surprise coming, some revelation coming, maybe not just with that character, with quite a bit of characters on this show, because when, as, they, as they are going to try to push this RICO investigation forward, they're going to be looking for other people that they can get information from. Now, will Lauren assist them? She can assist them. But I kind of feel like now after this episode, there's other people that they can still come after to get information from. So potentially her, potentially Effie, because Effie is the one that has, she doesn't want it. She wants to get out the game eventually, right? So I kind of feel like as a viewer watching the show, now you have a lot of different people that they can go after as potential, you know, potentially be there as assistance to the investigation. Now that they all know that there's an active investigation going on. And to go to what Dana said earlier, about Tariq's uh, revelations to uh, Effie. Yes, I agree. That was a bad decision because she knows a lot more about him now so she can use that information against him at a later point. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like what Sack said in this episode about Tariq, he he, he, he will kill again. I guess Tariq is going to kill again. The question is, who is he going to kill? So, but stay tuned. But uh, we'll see what happens with Kiki. But I just feel like there's a lot more to that character that we haven't really learned. And there's probably because there's some other information coming out very soon that's going to be very important to all of us. But stay tuned. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I'm actually, like, I'm seeing a lot of theories, like, from the community. <laughs> like, there's, there's some people who think that uh, Noma has, like, some secret relations um, and stuff like that. So, like, you know, and I think Kiki was one of the names thrown around that maybe it's like a secret uh, daughter or something. Uh, people are also saying that uh, no mom might might know of RSJ. They might know of each other or something because how did she know um, that, you know, they were in Italy and stuff like that. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, like, rumors and characters like Kiki are very, like, uh, uh, mysterious. So... Yeah, it, it only it only fuels those rumors. But what was you gonna say, Rich? I just was gonna say, uh, the people making the connections of those particular things, it, that is a legitimate question to ask because again, how did Noma know that Tarika Effie were gonna be in Italy? 
and 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 yet they were and yet they were also able to get into that event so that they can just get closer to finding that tracker. So somebody knows something. There's some intel that they got from somewhere. That's why I said I want to see what that connection is. It's a possibility, or it could just be a matter of of, of, co of uh, coincidence. But I don't know. Go go ahead, Dana. Oh, uh, you're, you're, can't you're, you're yeah, we can't hear you. You you're, you're muted. Uh oh, technical difficulties. Oh, did the settings change or something? Uh, maybe. Yeah, we can't hear you. I don't know if you have to leave and come back or something. I don't know. Something must have changed. Uh oh. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yo, now we hear. So weird. Jesus biscuits. Okay. So what I was basically saying, probably lost the thought, was, um, I think it's a coincidence because they constantly say we have people who are watching. When Tariq took off running, technically they weren't. They wasn't wrong. Yeah. Technically, mm -hmm. um, they do have people who are watching. And when you're moving from country to country, there is definitely going to be people who are watching. Now, we don't know who those people are, but I don't think it's, it would be interesting if it was a connection to Noma, an RSJ, but I don't know at this point. I, I do believe that you do not become a, a billionaire without getting your hands dirty in something. Yep. No one becomes a billionaire by being like the most cleanest. I pulled myself by my bootstraps and followed the law. That never happens to anything. You rewrite the law. You break the law. Um, so it could be. But right now, I'm not seeing that connection so much so. Um, I'm, I'm not even really seeing the um, Effie or not Effie. The uh, Kiki is someone's daughter. I'm not seeing that connection. It's just me. Um, we do know, or at least is assumed to know, that the Italian man has custody of the daughter. From maybe, from my understanding, or maybe Noma has custody of the daughter the well, whole time, and just doesn't reveal that. That's possible. Yeah, they did. They, they, they didn't tell us anything else about the daughter. So I'm very curious to know uh, because she knew when she took uh, him out. What that could yeah. potentially do to the daughter also. That's why I say I'm they I want to see them definitely explain that more more detail. To me, the daughter is a is a child. To me. Yeah. She's not some grown woman who's off living her life. She is a child see, still. See, She's not even that, a teenager. See, that but see that 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 again though, that they didn't really say how how recent that 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 uh picture was. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, she should be a little kid, but I, I have no idea. So they need to I feel like they're definitely going to reveal that at some point because they didn't bring that in that just introduced this whole plot just for us to not know who the daughter is and all this other stuff. But we have to wait and see, I guess. And to me, it just feels like a thrown together plot that's not really interwoven into the larger picture. That's, that's so. possible. 
Like the daughter just felt like an still like I felt like an an afterthought, you know. Oh, I walked into the room. She has a daughter. We're gonna kidnap the daughter, and then we're free. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't really seem like it means anything. And Noma could have multiple daughters. Maybe that's not even the favorite child. Yeah. I don't know. Possible. Go go ahead, Gary. (laughs) Uh yeah no I was gonna say um. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think the rumor's true about Kiki being related to her at all. Uh, there could be some val- uh, validity to to RSJ and no one knowing of each other. But um, what I will say is that the. Um, I think the way Noma made the connection about them being in Italy is because they used the same hangar that Mecca had, or something like that. So, like, they were able to trace the flight that way, or something. That's right. Um, there but, you go. See? Good job. Yeah. You got it. But but I still think there could be some connection there. I still think that RSJ and Noma might know of each other somehow. Like, you know, especially if like if if RSJ was familiar with Francesco or whatever, like, you know, so I, I feel like there could be some some connection with those two characters. But we'll have to see. I do think there's a, there's some plot twists incoming in this season though so i can't wait to see where they take it but um moving along so um you know we saw that in this episode and and i know richard mentioned this like um a few episodes ago we we know that jenny and blanca were made aware of well it was jenny i think was made aware of um the you know the the rooftop rooftop where they're they're stashing the the, uh, drugs and everything lauren told her about it and stuff um and and we see that when to when diana stashes the drugs like tariq told her to and stuff like that like there's a camera right above it and then later on at the funeral we see that jenny and blanca are at the funeral and they have pictures already printed of diana you know putting the drugs there and they're just kind of biding their time, you know. They, they, I guess they're going to collect more evidence, more photos, and see who else goes to the rooftop. So the question is, you know, when do you think they're going to act? You know, when are they going to act on all of this? Because now they've kind of got some stuff. Like, uh, I, they just need, I guess, Tariq maybe to be there to, like, if they get a, a shot of Tariq, um, you know, on the rooftop. Like, and we see that Sax was kind of, talking to Lauren and telling her, you know, he's, you know, he might not have been directly involved in, in your uh, killing or whatever, or your disappearance, but like he is a mastermind and stuff, you know, he's been groomed and all this stuff. So like he's getting in her ear. Um, and I mean, Lauren, like Lauren is up in the air because she then goes and texts Tariq and tells him that, you know, she wants to talk to him and stuff. But um, so that that Lauren is a wild card in this case. I know that Jenny is very much depending on her to be like the the key witness or whatever. But they do have evidence. They have some stuff that they can act on. So, you know, when do you think we can? You know, they, these two characters are gonna um, act on what they have, and do you think that they might do some um, additional digging? You know, or will they even try to flip another witness or something of that nature? 
you know, in the future to kind of beef up the case a little bit. And, you know, there's there's a lot of different little things that have been happening from the, the shooting with the Russians. You know, they can look into that further. Um, you know, there's been, uh, what was the other thing? Um, oh, there's the thing with the CI as well, you know, the, uh, the, the white supremacists and stuff that they could uh, follow up on. So there, there's like a lot of different little leads that they could still follow up on. There's Lorenzo, you know, so... They've got some things that they can do. So when do you think we're going to see them get a bit more active and make a move on this this case? Um, you got any thoughts on that, Dana? I thought the whole concept of them literally coming to the funeral um, with the evidence was the stupidest thing ever. Like, that could have just been, like, one of their office scenes of, look what we have. We got the pictures um, because it just, it didn't add up to anything. It made them come across as so desperate. And it's just a weird thing. And we're gonna go and go to the funeral. Were they originally planning on arresting uh, Diana right there as she's crying about her father? I just don't know what the end game was with that one scene. It was just weird to me and like the, the shootout happened to prevent that because they got distracted because bullets were flying. So I didn't I didn't know what they were trying to do. Um and also they're acting way too rash as and we just got the photos as opposed to let's wait for more evidence. And then they had to have that conversation that goes literally verbatim, we got the photos. No, let's wait for more evidence. I just don't understand why that was included. I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, yeah, there, there was, like, no subtlety to it at all. Like, it's like... <laughs> no, like, hey, guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I just didn't understand what they were trying to accomplish with that. Again, that could have been, like, right when they saw her taking... When we went to the scene of her putting the drugs inside of the wall or whatever, then it would cut to, we got the evidence. But yeah, y'all went to a whole church, whole different location, had a plain folder with like two pictures in it. Yeah, that 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 was their confession. That's what that's what that was all about. <laughs> yeah, it, that that was weird, and like it's also weird that like nobody questioned why they were there as well. Like I guess maybe they didn't have time for for all of these things to happen, but. I mean, they've been harassing the family since the first episode. Why not, you know, at least be like, why are you here? None of that. It's like we just snuck in the back and then no one noticed us at all. What a file that has evidence. Yeah, I didn't understand the purpose. Yeah. And then the fact that there was a shootout just makes it weirder because, like, you know, Blanca is like a trained, like, officer and stuff. So, but, well, yeah. I, I agree, Gary, but you know the explanation is, hey, the feds took care of the Russians later. You know, we just didn't see it, so. <laughs> but that, here's the weirdest part about it. They've constantly been on the Tejada's butthole, you know, even from when Monet killed um, Whitman. And they've been there. What really happened? What happened? Huh? Is the gun registered? Huh? What? And then you're literally eyewitness to a shootout. 
and there was no follow-up questions. No, what's going on? Everyone's under arrest until we figure it out. Nothing. So it's just, I don't get what they're trying to do sometimes. It makes no sense. Like, they're really great with details on some things, and then there's some things that are so just thrown together that it's just like, why are you existing? I don't yeah, get it. I really think they just wanted us to see that they had the pictures already, but they, they could have did that another way. Like you said, Dana, like, just cut to a, a quick shot of them at the office, like, you know, with the photo. You, you didn't even have to cut to it because we followed her going onto the roof, and it zooms to the camera. So we as an audience know what's going on. So it just felt redundant with that scene of, we got the photos. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think, like, so here's something that could happen, but what do you think? Um, So, like, they've got Diana on you know, in the photo, stashing the drugs. Do you think that they might possibly approach her now and say, look, we, we've got this on you. We need you to talk immediately. Um, and may, maybe they'll have some other leverage by this point. Like maybe they'll find out something about Lorenzo and maybe they'll play on her heartstrings a little bit like and say, look, your family's dangerous. They, we, we believe that they, you know, could have orchestrated the death of your father. Um, we have these pictures on you. We need you to talk now. Like, you know, do you think they might try a strategy like that? Maybe. Go ahead, Rich. Yes, and I want to explain to you what I think is going to happen. Uh, Diana, obviously, she her her her. You know, Lorenzo had told her before he died. The last conversation he had was he wanted her to go ahead and focus on school. She can get out of the game. All right. So and then she and then when Tariq approached her in this episode, she did tell Tariq she wanted to get out of this. She wanted to focus on school. So said she will honor her dad's wishes. But the fact that that photo was taken, right? I definitely can see them eventually approaching her. And again, they can maybe bring up the fact that maybe they somehow find out that she was the last person to contact Whitman to some extent. But the thing about it is this. Why it makes sense for them to approach her, it goes back to the conversation that Kane had with Tariq in this episode when Tariq told him, oh, well, now we're all a part of this investigation. And Kane said, no, that's a situation that you and your friends need to deal with. So obviously, if Diana gets involved, now Kane is going to be angry. And that's why I say it further intensifies the issues between Tariq and Kane. So it makes sense for them to approach her. And of course, if they don't go that route, they can go the expected route, which is Salim, because Salim is going to be jealous now that she's messing around with Tariq. They've already shown now they've already made now they've already made it apparent when they were in the classroom and how Tariq defended when they started talking about Diana's situation and Tariq defended Diana. And then you saw how Salim reacted in that moment when he looked at Tariq when Tariq said what he said. Then later on in this episode, when he decides to bring the flowers over to her and they say, oh, no, she has somebody in that room. So I'm pretty sure that he will be suspicious of Tariq because he doesn't like Tariq. And I'm sure he's heard stories about James St. Patrick and he, he, he knows how shady that family was. He definitely can be someone that can approach the feds about helping in this investigation as well. So they can go that route of the jealous ex lover, whatever. 
or they can say Diana, just go after Diana and play on her heartstrings. I feel like that's two alternative routes they can go down. However, I will say though, regardless of whichever route they go, the fact that Diana is involved, this makes it a part of Kane's problem as well. And that's why I say, because eventually we're going to get to Kane versus Tariq. Not this season, obviously, but this is the starting point of all of this. So um, th that's just my guess, though, as to what's going to happen. Interesting. And um, yeah, uh, I'm just going to say one thing, and then I'll let you go, Dana. Um, the, the reason I like what you said, um, well, the Salim way is is going to be, like, entertaining because, like, you know, <laughs> it, already, it already fits his character that he would be a snitch and, and testify and want to get back at her and stuff. Yeah. Um. So if so, if they showed him those pictures of Diana, he would probably corroborate the story and go along with it. But another thing, you know, that makes it interesting if it was the other way where they approach Diana, is that she she is an eyewitness to Whitman's murder. She knows yep. what really happened. So if she wanted to betray her mother, then you know that that is a way that she could get revenge instantly. Um. But yeah, Dana, what was you? you about to say so here's the thing with with Salim he doesn't have evidence he has assumptions he has I know you this way because your parents are this way because I read it in the newspaper from my understanding Diana never went into the specifics of what her family does in terms of and then he killed this guy and then he robbed Pookie and then he stole the money from Pookie to feed the Paco he never, she never gave details as much as, say, for example, what Tariq gave Effie. Effie could run to the police and be like, he killed this dude. He admitted he killed his daddy. Um, that whole situation, I don't even know if she was recording him the whole time. We don't know. It was like, oh, I'm going to die. So I'm going to record my last moments. We don't know what was really going on. Did she actually pull out a gun or was it a thick cell phone with a good old case? I don't know. The point I'm saying is Salim is someone who just judges by assuming because that's how someone was raised. And I'm now upset because she rejected me. Okay, that's cute. Good. But what evidence do you have? I can run and say, oh, um, yeah, she did it. From my understanding, he doesn't even know she does a candy store situation. So that does he know no? That is something that I think we're going to get an answer to soon because you know, because Effie knows. So I'm very curious if he's going to start to look into this in the next episode. Well, you can, you can have that situation, but at the end of the day, I feel Celine is going to get caught because of his stupidity in terms of his eagerness and his anger of, oh my God, he left me. Oh my God, a family drug addict. You're not drug addicts, but drug dealers. You know, he's going to be in his feelings and he's going to act more like a woman than the women are. So that could be, and also to me, he seems like he's an abusive gaslighter. Doesn't have to be physical, verbally and mental. I'm like, who blesses out the family at you in the home? Devering, saying anything. Your daddy is, the girl's daddy is dead. Yeah, your father got what he deserved. In the home, he does not have any boundaries. So I think that Slim is going to get himself caught. He's going to probably be, and then also remember, Kane. thing about Kane is he's quiet. 
He doesn't say anything, but he'll check you out. And he trusts his gut. And so far, his gut has not been wrong. He knows Monet killed Lorenzo. He's just not saying anything because he's quiet. So the thing is, I believe from the very beginning, Kane checked out Selene. Who's this guy? And he he's putting things together. And he may know certain things that, you know, he's not sharing any details. But I don't see Celine making it to season three just because of his own actions. I think Kane is going to stop all that. Oh, yeah. And then also, yeah. that is his sister at the end of the day. That is family. Oh, yeah. The Celine character will probably get taken out before the season is over. I think that's a, that's a guarantee. But uh, let's see what happens. He served no purpose. So what? He doesn't really serve a purpose as opposed to building that obstacle between Diana being at that crossroads of are you going to be like your parents or are you mm -hmm. going to be your own self? And then when you keep beating someone in the head with that, you may end up clearly pushing them even more away. Yeah. So, boo Selene, he can go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he ends up like your boy Jabari, you know, by the end of the season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so speaking of Kane, right, uh, last question that I had, like, um, Rich alluded to this earlier where he said, you know, they might be building towards uh, a Tariq and Kane kind of, kind of uh, dynamic, right? And in this episode, we kind of see Kane making a lot of moves. So, you know, whereas Tariq was kind of burning the house down, you know, and kind of, you know, rebelling against, like, Brayden and Effie and um, cutting them off, Kane seemed like he was trying to build trust and get leverage with them because, you know, he brought the Lorenzo's insurance policy thing and he went he he offered to add it to the western holdings fund if you know Braden can get back involved in the business and because of Tariq and stuff and then you know he went to Effie at the end he stopped her from shutting down the, the app and everything and he basically told her like you know I'll I'll give you some product directly you know for you to sell and stuff like that so he's kind of building up her trust now, because she probably feels like she, she hasn't got anyone because she knows that Tariq is, is angry at her. He's being petty. And Brayden is likely taking, you know, Tariq's side. You know, we saw Effie and Brayden had, had that argument outside the, the stash house or whatever. So, yeah, do you think that Kane is actually going to earn the trust of, you know, Brayden and Effie and kind of flip things on Tariq a little bit? Uh, what you, would you think about that, Dana? I think that Kane enjoys chaos and he feeds on chaos just a little bit. So to him, being able to toy with these people and their emotions, um, I think that's, that's what he likes. I view Kane as the Kane from the original Power series of this whole thing you know he he's just funny that way um i do think that what he's doing is he's trying to play multiple sides at the same time gaining effie's trust 
making her feel that she, you know, is wanted and needed. But there could also be an underlining thing of him wanting to get into the draws, as the children say. Um, but at the same time, he's trying to build up Brayden because I think he genuinely enjoys Brayden and Tariq fighting. But at, also at the same time, in a weird way, I'm not saying he's caring, caring, but he hasn't been wrong since. Brayton needs to stop being the token friend. He needs to have some kind of backbone and for Tariq to see Brayden as an equal. And that may be, you know, Brayden taking charge of certain things. I think that he's smart. I think that he's capable, but he hasn't been given a chance because one, he's so eager to please Tariq and have that friendship. And he's trying to also step away from his parents. But then also a part of him is like, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Like, this is mine. What better way for something to be yours is if you stop being the follower and being the leader. So who knows what you're able to accomplish down the line? So I do think that while Kane is trying to start these little fires everywhere, oh, book title, but I think that it's also beneficial for these characters. You know, Effie being emotional and burning everything down, he's right. That brings more harm to them as a collective, and she'll end up dead as well. So by her getting her side thing done, that helps her. And, and her reaching her number, remember she has a number that she's trying to accomplish. But I do feel that while everyone is going out and doing their individual things, which is good for them, they still have to come together as a collective. And I think that Kane is more than willing to work as a collective because at the same time, remember, they're under Noma's grasp and they all want to just break away. Kane just wants to, you know, he's tired of, he's, I think he's genuinely probably tired of people at this point. But that I do feel that it's, it's for benefit. You got to break away in order to come back together again. And you come back stronger. Because now Brayden, having full control and capacity of, of certain things, he knows how to better run stuff. So, yay, Kane being like the captain saver group of this group. <laughs> captain saver. <laughs> That's hilarious. But, um, yeah, I, I think... Um, I think now is the time for Kane to get his power because I feel like he's been like striving, like he's been trying to get that position of power since the first season we saw him in. And like he his moment is getting closer and closer. And like that's that's how like we didn't even really see him like mourn his father. Like he might have been a bit shocked about it when he got the news, but he didn't like fully mourn or you know, appeared to be hurt, even though he got close to his father again, you know? And to me, it's like, he's always thinking about being in that spot, that number one spot. And now, you know, Monet is in his way. He's Tariq is in his way, Obi and Noma. Like these are the people that kind of stand in his way. And yeah, it just feels like at this point he's playing the game and he sees, you know, he sees that position within his grasp like he 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 sees it getting closer you know to him being the top player so i think he's gonna be like very strategic in the next few episodes um and by the season he might be ready to make a, a huge power play and 
you know, the whole Obi and Noma thing could even tie into this a little bit because he could even possibly go for the the top distro spot. Because if you remember in the original Power, what position were they always fighting for? Distro. Everyone wanted to be the distro. And, you know, in a sense, it seems like Obi and Noma are kind of like at the top of the food chain now in terms of being the, the those suppliers, the dis- distributors and stuff. So maybe he wants to go that far, but it's just a matter of can he, but, you know, he could, you know, he could use all of these people. He could use Tariq, he can use Effie and, you know, he can, um, you know, if if Effie were to tell him about the plan with Noma, he could, you know, maybe even use that to his advantage and, you know, make a power play um, after that takes place. You know, if if they manage to get the job done, that is. But Richard, what's your thoughts on, um, you know, Kane in this, in, in currently in the series? Like, do you think that he's getting ready to flip on Tariq and, you know, make some serious moves now that he's kind of, earning the trust of Brayden and Effie. I think uh, both uh, Dana and, and you made some great points. I personally think, think that Kane is, yeah, he's building his roster. Obviously, he's been interested in Effie for quite a while. And I think now him helping her is going to be, like, I, I think what you said earlier in this podcast, Gary, is that possibly by the end of the season, there's a fracture throughout Groups are going to be split off. I think that Kane and Effie can do their own thing with course correct. And again, as you alluded to, he could use that plan that Effie had to basically approach Noma, which when you think about it, I know, Dana, you mentioned earlier, it feels like that's a throwaway thing when they add the whole kid thing in there. But now that I think about it more, the reason why they added that in there, because it goes back to the threat that they gave them, you know, Tariq, Braden and Effie and Kane at the beginning of this season, when Obi said, if you don't give us our money, then we're going to start going after your family members. So that is pretty much, I think, why they put that in there to basically say, oh, so what if somebody was to go after someone in Noma's family? That's what I think the explanation is for why they they did that. But to answer the question, I do agree that Kane, it's time for him to get some power. And I think that him having his own separate thing happening is the way to go because it feels like the, the stuff with Drew and Monet, that's an entirely different situation. He knows Monet obviously has something to do with Lorenzo's death. He's not stupid. Even though Monet wants him to think that even though even though Monet believes he is stupid and can't figure this stuff out, he knows what, what's really happening with that. So yeah, for him to end up becoming the top distro, that would be quite a hell of a turn. And I could see that happening for sure. But um it feels like it is headed in that direction. We'll see what happens. But the one thing I do want to remind you, you you both, as well as the commenters, let's see what happens when all of these people find out that Lauren is still alive. That, I think, will really complicate things further, because even if Kane was to start to get close to Effie, right? Okay, so let's say he does get close, close to Effie. Okay, then you find out that they were unable to kill Lauren. What happens at that point? Obviously, you need to get rid of Lauren because she's still a threat. But the question is, will you take this out, this anger out on Effie and Brayden? That, that's a question that has to be answered. So I kind of feel like all of this is going to come to a head once though, once he finds out and everybody finds out Lauren is still alive. Only Tariq knows she's alive. But for how long? 
So we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, stay tuned. That's all I can say because I have no idea what's going to happen. But I'm looking forward to seeing how all these storylines come to a head going into the end of this season and going into next season. Mm. You said something key there because that is kind of Tariq's big leverage here. Lauren, mm-hmm. like that's his like big trump card because nobody else knows but him now. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, like Sax knows and stuff, but like nobody else in the crew knows besides him. So that's like another trump card. And and who was it that Lauren um, had on the wire? You know, it was Kane. So yeah, um, <laughs> so yeah, like if if Kane was to try and you know make some moves and try and flip on Tariq. Yeah, he, he kind of, he can get in Lauren's ear maybe and have her throw his name around as the kingpin or something, you know? So mm-hmm. um, that that's interesting. Uh, Dana, was was you going to say something else? Okay. No, I was just kind of agreeing with everything you said. And I um... I had some other points to make that we'll 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 make later when it comes to like the wrap up because it's a lot of nooks and crannies, and Granny Smith apples in here. Yeah, I was actually about to get to that now, so you know, let's get right to the final thoughts, and uh, we can go ahead and start with you, Dana. <gasps> Me? What? Yeah. Okay. So, um, one of the things that was really interesting to me is that. From the very beginning of the episode, kind of when Tariq was sitting up there all um, with Effie in the bed, very interesting. She said, um, you didn't know. OK, so when they found out little Renzo was dead and she tells him, Tariq, Tariq, she says to Tariq, you didn't know anything about this, did you? You look like you saw a ghost or something. So, yay, call back because his daddy is ghost. I like that. Um, very much so. Um, and also it kind of brings about the past coming back to haunt him just overall and period. He, he is dealing a lot with his past that is coming back to haunt him and to also play up on that when he was in the car with um, Effie, who basically admitted to killing him. You know, she said um, uh, she was shooting when he was like, oh, I can't, you know, you, you killed Lauren. And she responded with, no, that's not possible. I and then you know, he, he cut her off. But um, during that scene, she was very angry. And she said, um, we said to him, when he said to her, you ruined everything and you lied about it. She responded, she wore a wire. She then blamed Tariq and said, you should have done it yourself. So I wonder if this line means that Tariq is now going to have to take care of certain issues by himself and not necessarily rely so much on the group. I also wonder, is Lauren going to see um, her after afterlife? Because it seems to me that the biggest person who can bring them all down is Lauren. What if in order for everyone to get free, because remember you have Sax is saying, well, he killed other people. Do you, you know, it's not just about you. It's the whole thing. Will she have, will he have to be the one to step up and kill Lauren this time? So, yay, because technically you could argue maybe that this is his fault by trusting someone 
who is so weak. You know, if he was the one who took care of Lauren from the beginning, no one would be in this issue at all. So question there that I wonder about. Another thing that was um, very interesting was the fact that, um, where am I? With, well, the, the thing I wonder is we, we do know that Brayden and Tariq have to basically team up together and Brayden is going to man up. I wonder if his version of manning up will cause more uh, arguments or more of a, of a, what do you call that word? When you have disagreement with Tariq and his plan on doing things, will Braden start acting more independently and not consult Tariq in things? That is kind of what I wonder because they had like, we're friends to the end. And then Braden had that conversation with Kane that was like, no, you're the mastermind behind everything. You should be running stuff. So that is also what I wonder is going to happen there. Um, Side note, it was really nice to see the kids out of the classroom and that everyone was kind of partying in Diana's room. So yay for that. We need more outdoor stuff. The train scene made me really happy. The dorms and everyone just, you know, partying and acting like a regular teenager. That made me really happy on seeing that. Also, where's the car? I don't know where the car is. Um, and that also is why I thought he was going to kill Lauren. Not Lauren, Effie. Like, he rented a whole car. And I was like, oh, that's because he doesn't want to kill her with her in his car. What was the point of that? I don't understand. Because if he knows that he can't technically kill her and that, you know, there's a whole case building, was it, like, just insurance for, like, hey, in case something went down, I have this rented car that, you know, is not, you know, my car, so therefore it's, and I'm not going to say, no, it's easy to trace a rented car, but more of in terms of like, if anything did pop off, the car is already rented and I can make up some fabrication as to why um, Effie is suddenly dead, just, just in case it did end that way, because you don't know what could happen. All he wanted was a confession. But again, she could have been like, no, I'm going to kill you too. We don't know. And then also remember, Brayden kills people in terms of, not Brayden, I'm sorry. Tariq kills people. Remember what happened to that guy who was connected to Stern with that whole knife situation? I wonder if, if we're going to get something back in terms of that. Um, yeah, so that was basically it. And then we had like the bad, the scene from Monet and Monet is now going to be tormented by the ghost of Lorenzo. But this is, seems to be a theme in the Ghost Power series. Because remember, Kane came back, like our, the Kane Kane, original Kane. He came back, I think, in like season one and was like the ghost of of Tariq in that way. Remember, he was talking to him a little bit. So I wonder how long Lorenzo is going to stay here and, and start haunting Monet and what is really going to go on with Monet. What is her plan? I don't know what her plan is. We do know, I feel, that Kane and Kane knows that Monet killed Lorenzo. And I also believe that she set it up, not deliberately, but 
if he dies, he dies situation because he kept pressing. You got to tell Ma. You got to tell Ma. And I don't think that he's stupid. I think he knew that Monet would kill Lorenzo if she ever found out that Lorenzo killed Zeke. And that's what happened. So I wonder how that is going to happen. So there's a lot of things that are going on that's going on. And then again, Kane took um, Lorenzo's chain. And that's when Drew was like, oh, you think you're head of the family? So there's a lot of brokenness that's going on with it with everyone. And that's what makes the show really exciting. So I'm here for it. Oh yeah, great point. That that's another thing right there. Like Kane taking the chain and everything. Like that that's another thing that shows, you know, he's ready to be number one now. So yeah. Good, good uh, observations there. But uh Rich, do you have uh, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Oh no, I was just gonna say uh excellent observations from both uh you and Dana as always. I thought it was an excellent episode. Uh, so, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next week. But uh, everyone did an outstanding job. I'm looking forward to seeing what the people say in the comment section as well. Because uh, everyone, I mean, listen, I think we've been pretty positive on the show uh, so far this season. So, I mean, I, I, I think it's going to continue. Because, again, there's a lot of interesting things happening with all the different characters. So, uh, but yeah, I look forward to it. But excellent job on this episode. And can't wait to see what happens next week. Indeed, indeed. I can't wait myself. Um, but yeah, excellent episode. I loved seeing this version of Tariq and everything. And yeah, I can't wait to see where they take it from here. And um, I'll, I'll be watching for the comments. I can't wait to see what the people say as well. Like, But, um, but that is going to be it for now. Uh, I see we ran a little bit long. But hopefully the people don't mind, you know, this is long form content. It's a podcast. So, you know, sometimes it's going to run a bit long. It is what it is. But, um, but yeah, we will be back next week to recap episode seven of uh, Power Book 2 Ghost Season 3. So look out for that. And uh, yeah, take care of yourselves. Stay healthy, everyone. See you soon. Peace out.